0: This morning we're going to continue in our series on the Minor Prophets, or as they're also known, the Book of the Twelve. We're on prophet number 11 today. Only one more after this, and we will have finished them. And we have been discussing that though their writings are brief, their message, messages are no less impactful. They are minor prophets with major messages. And so today we're going to continue talking about the next prophet, Zechariah who coincides with our last prophet from last week, Haggai. And Haggai and Zechariah were prophesying at the same time, and so we get to kind of share a bigger picture. And Zechariah is one of the longer uh, books among the minor prophets. Hosea and Zechariah both have 14 chapters in them. And They're interesting stories that are in Zechariah. Zechariah's book is unique and different because Zechariah records eight different visions that he had from the Lord. Visions of the history of Israel, but also the promise of what was to come to Israel about Jerusalem. And Zechariah means Yahweh has remembered. And that is surely the story of Zechariah is he's calling the people to build We see Zechariah, they'll hear the words through Zechariah's writing that he says, let your hands be strong. Just like Haggai said, get to work, rebuild the temple. As they had just come out of exile and now they're in Jerusalem, they had been focused on themselves, but they repented. And now the message is calling them to get to work and rebuild the temple. And so you're going to see the similar characters. If you read Zechariah, as we mentioned last week, Zechariah should be read really with Haggai and Ezra and even Nehemiah. They both kind of describe or they all kind of describe the same time period that we understand what is happening in their lives. And especially so today in Zechariah, you're going to see that context really gives some meaning to Zechariah's writings from the Lord. And we're going to read here this morning in Zechariah chapter 1 uh, to kind of pick up, and then we're going to jump around, and you can follow along with us. So we kind of get this big picture. Zechariah, I will tell you, is a book that is full of messages and meanings, especially these visions that were from the Lord, speaking to them about the history of Israel and the future of Israel, and those could all be dissected in their own way. But today, I just wanted to try to provide you with an overview of this minor prophet and his general message that he's speaking from the Lord. And so we're going to start by reading in Zechariah chapter 1, verse 3. He says this, Return to me, says the Lord of hosts. And I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. If you remember, Haggai said the same thing, basically. They returned to Jerusalem, but they did not return to the Lord. They came back home as Zephaniah wanted them to, but they did not come back to the Lord fully. And so he starts with by telling them, return to me and I'm going to return to you. A word of promise. And then we're going to skip over to chapter four. And so I'll give you a little bit of context here in Zechariah chapter 4 and really what's happening is if you read through Ezra, Nehemiah and Haggai, you understand that what is happening in this next verse we're about to read is there is great opposition to the rebuilding effort. They've repented, they're ready to rebuild, but there are some people who are trying to hinder the work that they're doing. They're threatening them, they're, they're putting uh, discouragement in their ears, always going after them, and it's even gone, as we're going to see in Zechariah, to a spiritual level of discouragement and accusations. And so we're going to read here, this is a word of encouragement to Zerubbabel. And if you remember, Zerubbabel is the governor of of Judah and he's re- he's leading the rebuilding effort alongside of Joshua the high priest and so the word of the Lord comes to Zerubbabel. This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel that says this, not by might nor by power but by my spirit says the Lord of hosts. Who are you o great mountain before Zerubbabel you shall become a plain. And he shall bring forward the top stone amid shouts of grace, grace to it. We see here in this picture, it's a word of prophecy. Because of all of the discouragement, because of the threats and the things that were happening in their mind, the Lord encourages them and gives them a word of prophecy that says, I called Zerubbabel to build this temple, and he's going to finish it. And as a matter of fact, you're going to see him stand on top of the building, laying the last stone, and he's going to finish the work that was set there. And I love how the Lord calls them, and he almost, in in just kind of a, a sarcastic way, says, Who are you, O great mountain?'" You're going to become a level plain. And what looked like a great mountain to the people, the Lord says, that's just flat ground. What looked like a big obstacle, the Lord says, it's just a flat plain. And so then we're going to skip over to Zechariah chapter 8 and continue reading. And I want to read this uh, little bit of picture about what the Lord promises to come in Jerusalem, because it gives us an image of what they were missing in their context. And he tells them in Zechariah chapter 8, he says this, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Old men and old women shall again sit in the streets of Jerusalem, each with staff in hand because of great age. And the streets of the city shall be full of boys and girls playing in its streets. And in the English Standard Version, this next verse reads a little bit different. It says, thus says the Lord of hosts, if it is marvelous in the sight of the remnant of this people in those days, thus shall it also be marvelous in my sight, declares the Lord of hosts. But I want to read to you this from the new revised, which seems to capture the better meaning of that translation. That says that even though it seems impossible to the remnant of this people in these days, should it also seem impossible to. To me, says the Lord of hosts. What the Lord was saying to them, which is I just love the way the Lord kind of talks with us sometimes. As he tells them, if if it looks impossible to you, should it also be impossible to me? He says, there's gonna come a day where you're gonna be able to sit in your rocking chairs, on your front porch, drinking your sweet tea, relaxing and at ease in life, and the kids are gonna be able to play soccer, football in the streets while there's peace in the land. And this shows us really the picture of what they were missing and lacking, that they didn't have that. They didn't have a sense of comfort, of ease, and they didn't feel secure. They didn't feel like everything was okay. There was a sense of that missing. They felt like they were hiding in a way. They felt like they were threatened in a way. And all of this rebuilding effort and the people who were threatening to stop them, it began to get to them in their minds and was beginning to wear them down. And so Zechariah tells them from the Lord that even though it seems impossible to you, should it also seem impossible to me, says the Lord of hosts. And it shows us the picture that Zechariah's message really begins to identify all of the weak points of the people. And you're going to see Zechariah is interesting that he begins to describe characteristics about God. And everywhere that they are weak, he shows them where God is strong. Everywhere that they are lacking, they show them how God, he shows them how God is going to supply. That every time there's an emptiness, God fills that void with his power. It's God demonstrating who he is. And as a matter of fact, Zechariah goes on to say in chapter 2 that he calls his people the apple of his eye. And that really captures the essence of what God is trying to accomplish in this minor prophet. It's, he's trying to show them, look, I love you. And he tells them, I chose you and I'm choosing you again. You're my people and where you're lacking, I'm going to step in. Where you're missing, I'm going to provide. When you're weak, I'm strong. And we see this example of the people who don't have what they need. There's insecurity, there's fear, there's worry. They're living in a crisis. Does that sound familiar? They're living in a time of uncertainty. They're constantly worried about the future. And so this is why Zechariah's visions tell them about the history, but also speak to the future. And as we're going to see, Zechariah talks about the coming Messiah almost more than any of the other minor prophets and gives us a beautiful picture of hope that we have in Jesus. And so Zechariah's message is ultimately this. Every week we've been trying to do it. Zephaniah was telling them, come back home. Haggai was this, consider your ways. And Haggai, or Zechariah's message is this: not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit. Not by might, nor by power, by my spirit. I've preached from that verse many times before, and I love that verse. I think it speaks to us in great volumes. But as I have really begun to understand the context of Zechariah even more, this verse means something to me more than it ever has before. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit. I promise you, when I started this, I did not realize how timely these messages would be for our context. That what we could learn from these minor prophets would speak into our world today. And I feel like today's speaks right into our crisis. The crisis that the people of Jerusalem were enduring speaks into our crisis today. That here are our people that are surrounded with fear. They're surrounded by enemies. Not only that, but there's people inside of them. They're discouraging them. There's just a general sense of downness. And what we see is God acting on behalf of his people. God stepping in and working. And so I want to show you a few of the things that Zechariah describes of the Lord and paints the picture of who God is in the crisis. And the first one we see is he's God the comforter. Zechariah says in verse, chapter 1, verse 17, he says, The Lord will again comfort Zion and again choose Jerusalem. We see this hope that Zechariah wants to paint about the Lord, that he's God the comforter. That in their crisis, they're worried, they're frustrated, they're disappointed, and they see that he's the God who works on their behalf. He's God the comforter. One of the things that we all have to understand here today, and I think in sometimes in church settings we often overlook and we diminish, is that we as God's people, and not only as God's people, but as human beings, we are emotional beings. We're created with emotions, all of us here. Jesus was created with emotions. We see him weeping. We see him get angry. We see him rejoicing. We see this range of emotions, even in Jesus's life, the son of God. and. You and I also have emotions and crises, bad situations, they evoke emotions, an emotional response. It's what keeps us tenderhearted. It's what keeps us human. And without those things, we can become cold and dissident from others. But emotions teach us about our humanity and what the people of Jerusalem had to realize that even though they were afraid, They were uncomfortable. They worried. They didn't know where to go. They were a people of emotion. That the Lord promised them that He would again comfort them. Give them comfort that they needed in their lives. That even though they were looking around and in distress, God promised comfort. And as a people of emotion, emotions are never meant to deter us away from the Father. Emotions are meant to point us back to the Father. And that was what God was trying to show them in their life, that even though they felt All of these things, their feelings were not were not given to them to dictate their faith. Their feelings were given to them to dictate their direction towards the father. And this is what they had to learn, that though they felt a certain way, though they felt distressed and worried and afraid, they were meant to turn their eyes to the Lord who comforts, to look to the God, the comforter. And what a great word to us today in this time that we're living in in our world is that God is a comforter. He wants to comfort his people. Despite all of the images that have been painted about God, a God of wrath and wanting to rain down fire on us. Listen, he's a God of comfort. God is not interested in his people living in terror. He's not interested in his people living afraid all the time. That's not what God is about. As a matter of fact, God separates himself from that and says he's not a God of chaos, but of peace. God isn't interested in that. God wants his people to be at comfort. Not necessarily at ease, but at comfort, knowing that God is in control. See, comfort comes from a place in our lives as believers knowing that God is supreme and over all. And even though I may feel a certain way by what I see in the world, God is the great comforter. We're going to see this next image also painted is that God is a defender, God the defender. In Zechariah chapter 2, Zechariah has this vision and he looks up and he sees Uh, He sees the chapter three, rather. He looks up and he sees this interesting vision. He sees the Lord and he sees Satan standing at his right hand. And the Bible says that Satan began to accuse Joshua, the high priest, And the Lord spoke up to him and said, the Lord rebuke you, O Satan. Is this not, speaking of Joshua, is this not a brand plucked from the fire? Or is this not a branch plucked from the fire or a coal plucked from the fire? In other words, he was saying, I have chosen Joshua. He's mine. He belongs to me. And anything you say, it doesn't come into effect in his life. The Lord rebuke you, O Satan. He's God the Defender, and we're going. I want to distinguish this from our next point. You were going to talk about. He's God the Protector as well, and God the Defender. Think of it in the light of He's a defense attorney. He's like the one who speaks on our behalf. He's like the one who stands up when we're being put down. God speaks up for us. He's God the Defender, and I believe in most courts of law, the attorney would advise their defendant that to be quiet and let me speak. And this is really the role of the Lord that we see as well, that it's God, the defender. It's the Lord speaking on behalf of, the, of Joshua. I'm, I'm really interested in this is what I've seen multiple times is there's this kind of this heightened sense of spirituality in our world today, where there's always this, and it seems to be present in so many of our lives, this heightened sense of the enemy. And always kind of lurking about, waiting for the next attack of the enemy on my life. But can I tell you something? That's not of the Lord. The Lord knows. Yes, we acknowledge that there is a great enemy. He's roaring and roaming the earth to and fro, as Peter described him. And we know that. But listen, as believers in Jesus Christ, we were never called to always worry about the intended attack of the enemy on our lives. Listen, the Bible says that in John chapter 10, that the Lord has us in his hand and no one can pluck us out of his hand. That in his hand, we are defended. We're protected under We're defended by him. He speaks up on our behalf. And notice in throughout all of scripture, the Bible calls him an accuser here. He said he looked at Zechariah to accuse him. Revelation also describes him as the accuser of the brethren. Jesus calls him the father of lies. The only way the enemy can get at any believer is by speaking. That's the only way he can do it. He has no power otherwise in your life. And so when we live in a way that's in constant fear of the enemy, that's not how the Lord intended us to live. The Lord intended us to live knowing that he is our defense attorney who speaks on our behalf. When the accusations start flying from the enemy and says, you're worthless, you're nothing, you don't amount to anything. The Lord speaks up to him and says, the Lord rebukes you, O Satan. Any man who's in Christ is a new creation. The old is passed away and behold, all things are new. God speaks on our behalf. He speaks for the defenseless. That's you and I. And Jesus also demonstrated in his life when he went to a cross that his bruised heel bruised his head, and he, we are victorious over the power and the rule of Satan. And I want to tell you today Satan would love nothing more for us to have that flipped upside down and think, at any moment, I could snatch your life, I could take you. But listen, the comfort of the believer is knowing that if I'm in God's hand, I'm safe. If I'm in God's control, I'm safe, I'm okay. And really what we have to get to in our lives is a place where we cut out that voice in our ear, cut that cut that distraction. You know, it's just like a bad commercial. You just turn it off. Just put it down. No, I'm not going to listen to that voice, Lord. I'm not going to hear that lie in my ear. He's God, the defender. And thirdly, he's God, the protector. Zechariah chapter two describes him as this, he says, speaking of them. And he told this Zechariah had this vision of a man with a measuring line. and He said, go out and measure the walls of Jerusalem. Basically, they were saying, let's see what we need to do to build these walls. He says, take a measuring line and go measure them. And as he said to them, the Bible says that the Lord spoke in that. And he says, I will be to her a wall of fire All around declares the Lord, and I will be the glory in her midst. He's God the protector. He's fighting on behalf of his people. He's fighting on behalf of his people. Think about the people of Israel for a moment. And if you're in the military, this might make sense to you. Here's here's the people of Israel they don't have a wall, they're exposed. They don't have a strong fortress. They don't have a place where they can go and take refuge in. All they have is these little uh, homes that they've built that are easily exposed. They don't have any place of fortitude in their midst. And so what is beginning to happen in their lives is they're beginning to live in fear. And you see this through other writings of Zechariah is they're looking at the other nations as they always did. And they're thinking, we could be exposed at any moment. We could be attacked. Something could happen. And there's this sense of impending doom in their lives. Always wondering what's going to happen next. And they're living in constant paranoia. And so the Lord speaks to them and he reminds them and tells them that he is their protector. And he tells them, though you're looking for a wall around you to protect you, he tells them, I'm going to be a wall of fire all around you. Now I want to ask you today, what's better, a block of cement or God Almighty is a wall of fire? He's God the protector fighting on our behalf. And that's what Zechariah with the vision that he saw and he wanted them to see as they were out there measuring the vision. They were measuring, they took a measure, a ruler and said, let's see how much brick we need to get all this materials. And the Lord said, no, let me show you something. I want to be your wall of fire that when the enemy comes against you, I'm going to be strong. When there's an attack coming against you, I'm going to protect you. I'm going to fight on behalf of your people. He's God, the protector. Fourthly, we see this, that he is God the shepherd. He's God the shepherd. One of the interesting things that turns in Zechariah is Zechariah begins to, in his visions and recordings from the Lord, is the Lord begins to hold the shepherds of Jerusalem accountable. They had been bad shepherds. They had let attacks come. They had misled the people. And so the Lord speaks to them in, in chapter 10. And he says, the people, they wander like sheep and they are afflicted for a lack of a shepherd. And he tells them they're, they're having troubles in their life because there's no one to lead them. There's no one who cares for them. There's no one who wants to watch over them. And he goes on to say in that chapter, for the Lord of hosts cares for his flock. He cares for his flock. He loves his people. He loves, we're the sheep of his pasture. And what's interesting is you'll see in Zechariah, if you read that chapter 10, that there are over 13 times that are mentioned the Lord stating this, I will do this, I will do that. And what is happening is that where human leadership has failed, the Lord is asserting himself as their supreme leader among them and their sovereignty among them. And he tells them, I'm going to strengthen you. I will save you, I'll bring you back, and I will make you strong. Over and over again, it's the Lord stating, I will do this, I will do that. And really what we see is that there has been this failure of human leadership in their lives. A lack among them. The shepherds failed. They let it down. And listen, where there is any human leadership, there is always a chance of failure. 100% always. But where God steps in in their lives, he shows them that shepherds failed, but God assures us he will never fail us, that he will guide us, he will direct us, he will show us the path that is right for our lives. And what he was trying to get them to do was realize, stop looking for a human shepherd and look to me. I want to guide you. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to fight for you. When there's a wolf coming over here, listen, I'm going to be your shepherd. When this place runs out of green pasture, I'm going to take you to another place that has green pasture. He's God the shepherd. And all of us in our lives, what God is wanting is not for us to go here and there to direction and wondering how we should get here or to the next place in our life, but it's that we should look to God the shepherd. That's what he intended all along for the people of Jerusalem was for him to be the shepherd among them, the the one who would lead them and guide them. But they rejected him. And so here they are at this place at at the result of failed leadership. And now he's calling them back, saying, come to me, the great shepherd, the great shepherd. He's God, the shepherd. And fifthly, we see this, that he's God, the king. I love how the Bible paints this picture of Jesus. Throughout Zechariah's writing, we begin to get an understanding of the one who's coming. That there's one coming and he's going to be riding on a donkey. and He's going to come into Jerusalem and there's going to be great shouts. We begin to get this imagery of the coming king. Zechariah 14, a beautiful chapter. I would encourage you to read it sometime. And he tells them just a few of the scriptures. He says, this one who's coming, his feet, he's going to stand on the Mount of Olives that lies before Jerusalem. God's going to come and the Holy One's with Him. The Lord's going to be king over all the earth. And on that day, the Lord will be one and His name one. Jerusalem shall dwell in security. Year after year, they shall come to worship the king, the Lord of hosts. And there shall no longer be a traitor in the house of the Lord on that day. I love how Zechariah puts this at the end, or the Lord gives this to him at the end of his visions because what they needed the most in that, in that situation was that they have been the result of failed infrastructures, human leadership, and attacks from all around, sin among them, and what we was trying to do at the end of this was give them hope. That though there was a great societal d- decay among them, there is a king who is coming, and he's gonna bring security to Jerusalem. All you who are afraid, You don't have to be afraid anymore. The king is coming. All of you who are worried, you don't have to worry anymore. The king is coming. And he's not just coming, but he's coming unlike all the other kings. So he tells them he's going to come riding on a donkey. All those kings you've had before you, they've let you down. Listen, which one of them got on a donkey and came to Jerusalem? None of them. But this king, he's coming unlike all of the others. And he's going to be great. And you're going to come year after year to worship the king What this gives us, a hope, is the coming Messiah brings peace. Peace for you and I, as we talked about when we took communion today. Musicians are going to come. Peace in our lives that though we were distant and though we were astray, our King coming for you and I, He gives us peace. The kingdom of God is not in turmoil. The kingdom of God is not in chaos. And though our world may be, and though it may continue to be, The kingdom of God is at peace because there is a sovereign king on that throne. There is one who is in control. And what this does for the people of Jerusalem, that in their time of looking around and observing all of the turmoil, just imagine, they felt distressed. Maybe you feel that way today. They looked and they thought, we don't have a future. We don't have any hope. We feel helpless It was then when they felt most helpless is when they discovered God to be most helpful. It was when they looked around and they couldn't see anything good among them that God stepped in and showed himself strong. And he said to them, it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit. You know, one of the basic human responses in times of crisis is this reaction that all of us share, the physiological response called fight or flight. It's a hormonal response that prepares us in times of stress, danger, or fear. Your body gets itself literally to run, to fight or flight. Your blood starts pumping to the muscles. Your pupils dilate, giving you better better eyesight. Your blood thickens to prepare you and self in case of an injury. Your lungs speed up, delivering more oxygen to your blood. Your pain reception is reduced and even your ears begin to perk up and hear a little better. Our body is literally preparing itself for fight or flight. This was the condition of the Israelites when Zechariah is speaking to them. They're in fight or flight mode. They don't know what to do. Some... Psychologists call it fight, flight, or freeze. And this was their story. They felt afraid. Go read Ezra sometime. Look at what the people were telling them discouraging them, speaking just hateful things to them, putting them down, shutting them down. This is for nothing. What are you trying to do? Rebuild the house of the Lord? Just a taunt coming. And in the middle of all that, here's Joshua, the high priest, being accused by Satan. But the Lord rebukes you, O Satan. They would share in their hearts times of feeling. Oh, but what about the surrounding nations? We're going to get attacked. What about a king? We don't have somebody to rule over us. What are we going to do? Panicked was sitting in in their hearts. They based it all about off of what they could see. We don't know about our future. We can't put our trust in anybody there was just this kind of really at the point of hitting rock bottom and the Lord was trying to show them that he let them get to rock bottom he let them get to the place where their kings failed them where their society failed them where all of their structures failed them to show them that there's only one who can really make a way for them and it's God our King it's not by might nor by power but by my spirit, says the Lord. In other words, he said to them, hey hey, guys, it's not, it doesn't matter how much you get ready to go out to battle and fight. It doesn't even matter what king is here, what authority they have or what power. It's only by my spirit that this is even gonna happen. It's only by my efforts that this is gonna be accomplished on the earth. And we get this picture that God is fighting for us that God is fighting for the people of Jerusalem. He's fighting on behalf of the believers today. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit. And this was the same story of the apostles. We talked about a little bit on Wednesday, a prayer service, that there were the apostles afraid. Jesus had ascended into heaven, and they didn't know what to do next other than to go into this upper room and wait. There they are in hiding, because they're wanted for preaching the name of Jesus hiding for their lives, afraid, fearful, discouraged, probably even. And there they were in that room. And Jesus told them, wait, wait for my promise. And what the Lord promised them was his spirit. Because he said, where you are weak, it's not by might nor by power. It doesn't matter how hard you try. It doesn't matter how much you push in authority and what leader is on your side. What matters is, is my spirit is with you. And he tells them, when they were waiting in that room, Wait. He's coming. My promise. He's coming. And then the most amazing thing happened. Here's God's Spirit, the Bible says, came like a rushing mighty wind, demonstrating both might and force. And he came upon them and gave them power to preach the gospel like they had never preached before. Here were these same disciples. You can go back just a few chapters before that. The ones when Jesus was arrested, they all took off running. And now here are all of the nations gathered for the day of Pentecost, and they begin to speak to them and preach the glory of God to them in languages they don't even understand. But the people around them see it, and they're in awe. And they look at them, and here's Peter, the one who just denied Jesus three times and began cursing. Here's Peter, stands up and preaches the greatest sermon of his life. And tells them, this isn't what you think it is. This is what the prophet Joel spoke about. That in the last days, I'm going to pour out my spirit. And how in the world could Peter draw that conclusion? Unless it was by the power of the Holy Spirit on their life. And we see that it was the moment that the spirit struck them catch this it was the moment that the spirit rested upon them that immediately they began to preach the gospel their mouths opened they said things they had never said before they did things they had never done before they laid their hands on the sick they recovered they prayed people were healed they saw miracles signs and wonders among them because listen it's not by might nor by power but by God's spirit it doesn't matter who's in the pulpit it doesn't matter what kind of force we try to do the only way that God's church and kingdom will grow on the earth is by God's Spirit and God's redemptive plan is only gonna be accomplished when the Holy Spirit comes upon us and instead of fighting instead of fleeing the Spirit caused them to stand up bold and preach the gospel use them to take the greatest news across the earth. And can I tell you something? It's the result of not by might nor by power, but by my spirit that any of us here today are able to hear the good news of Jesus Christ because the Holy Spirit got a hold of some people who realized that that principle, that they couldn't do it, that if that good news was gonna go to the earth, it was only because of God's spirit. And as we, in this crisis that we're living in, may be overcome by fear, worry, dismay about the future. The Bible teaches us that God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And if we're gonna accomplish God's work on the earth, can I tell you something? We need to lay down all of our human devices and surrender them to the Lord and wait for God's promise of the Holy Spirit to empower us. If God, the gospel is ever gonna reach my neighbor, can I tell you something? It's not gonna be because of Charlie. It's gonna be because the Holy Spirit says, Charlie, now is the time, say this, you do this, and puts the words in our mouth. We need God's spirit. And instead of a spirit of fear upon the church, we need the fresh empowering of God's Holy Spirit upon us all. Instead of a spirit of worry, oh, we need God's Holy Spirit. He's God the comforter. He's God our defender, God our king, God our shepherd today i want to encourage you church you're feeling afraid you're watching online you're feeling afraid today feeling discouraged by what you see i want to tell you today you've got to do like the people of jerusalem stop looking at the walls around us the safety nets we so easily trust in and our fortitudes and our solitudes and all of those things and start trusting in the lord to be our comfort our strength and our provider in times of need if the church would just turn their eyes to God in the middle of a crisis, I can tell you something, God will come through and act on their behalf. That's the people the Lord helps, is those who say, Lord, we're feeling afraid, we're feeling worried. It happened to the apostles. But what did they do? They gathered in an upper room to pray, and the Bible says the Holy Spirit came upon them and gave them a fresh boldness. Stand with me today. your eyes with me. Let's be real this morning. All of us have been affected by this crisis that we're in. All of us. Some of you here today are still paralyzed by fear. I just want to tell you today, you're the apple of his eye. Oh, how he loves you did not create you to live in fear. He created you as the apple of His eye. And today God wants to replace that spirit of fear with His Holy Spirit who brings joy and peace. Jesus said to those disciples as they were gathered, peace, peace, my peace I give to you. And may God speak His peace in your life today. May God breathe a fresh covering over you today we'd lay down our human devices, stop trusting in the things of this world, and start looking to Jesus. Oh, how he loves us, how he loves you. That's why Paul was trying to reason with the church at Ephesus, how wide his love is, how wide, it's how deep, it's how great, it's immeasurable. I can't even get my mind around it. And I want you to know he loves you just like that. And I pray that you could understand that love listen church this promise of the Holy Spirit Peter said it's for you your children's children and as to many as are afar off and if you'll just open up and ask the Lord God give me your spirit oh the Lord is faithful to his promises the Lord again comforts Zion and his King shall stand on the Mount of Olives and all who dwell in Jerusalem shall dwell in security He's coming, He's our King. This morning, if that's you, just right where you're at, would you just call to the Lord? If you feel comfortable, maybe come stand here at the front. You run out of energy, you run out of strength, you're lacking boldness, you're still living with worry and fear. Come on, let's just be real with the Lord today. God, I'm gonna be honest with you. That's in me still. I don't want that in me. I don't want fear. I don't wanna live gripped by the accusations of the enemy. Lord, may I know today that the Lord defends me. He speaks up on my behalf. God, today, I wanna thank you for your love. I wanna thank you, God, that your love is real among us. He's God the defender, he's the prince of peace. When the winds and the waves are rocking, oh, he calms the storm. Lord, today for those who are enduring a turmoil in their life, a turbulent time, those watching online they're dealing with some real stuff, God, would you step into their storm and show them that every place they are vulnerable, you are strong, God. Not by might, nor by power, but by your Spirit, Lord. Send your Holy Spirit, God. Lord, in the middle of this pandemic, we need a fresh filling of your Holy Spirit. Oh God, if we're ever gonna accomplish this mission, how will we do it? We're weak, we're empty, Lord. But your Spirit will help us. And so, Lord, today we intercede and pray. Send the Holy Spirit. God, I pray today that our traditions, our backgrounds would not inhibit us from coming to the Spirit, that we would see the Holy Spirit for who he is and what you have been given him to us to do. Lord, may we run to the Father. there was that prodigal son in the worst state of his life overcome by fear and worry and it was in that moment that he realized i have to run to the father lord may we do the same today run to the father and discover that the father is running towards us when i felt alone when i felt afraid god's love covered me restored me reconciled me once again And so, Lord, today, let the love of Jesus fill our hearts again afresh today. May we be reminded of the cross, of the body that was broken, the blood that was shed for us, Lord. Oh God, how we need a fresh awakening of your love. Lord, in the middle of a season of worry and fear, let us not trample under our feet the blood of Jesus that was shed for us. Oh God, how we need you. Come on, church, call to him today. Lift up your voice. Oh, how we need you, Holy Spirit. Fill us again, oh God. Give us a fresh awakening of your empowering spirit. Lord, don't leave us alone, God. We need you, Jesus. Lord, if we're gonna ever take this message to the world, it's not by might nor by power, but by your spirit. Come on, confess your fears to Him. Confess your worries, your anxieties, your griefs, your mourning and lamenting and say, Oh God, how I need you today. Fill my life again. Fill my life again. Give me a fresh anointing, a fresh covering today. This is how we need you, Lord. Lord, we call upon you today, God. God, take away all the fear, the worry, the anxiety, the stress. Lord, we don't want to live in a fight or flight mode. We want to live in a trusting in God mode. And I pray today, God, you would give us a fresh spirit of adoption today that we may know whom we belong to and whom we are today. God, we thank you today for your word to us today. And even now, Lord, the Lord rebukes you, O Satan. Every accusation will fall flat on its face. Every lie will be cast down. Every accusation will be put far away. And God's word would enter our heart and cover a multitude of sins today Lord today I pray that the redeemed may know they are redeemed That condemnation would be cast far away that conviction Lord would come and draw us nearer Lord Lord today we pray give us a spirit of repentance Lord we're sorry God for how we have called upon things and not you, Lord. We repent, Father. We come to you, Jesus, with a sincere heart, God, saying, oh, how we need you today, Father. Lord, we repent, God. Let us be reconciled to you today, God. Let our hearts be made right with you today, Lord. Let us come near to you today, Jesus. Lord, forgive us for trusting in so these devices around us these things of humanity Lord and give us a peace that passes all understanding help us to lay hold to the throne of our King help us to return to you Lord not just to Jerusalem not just to our homes but to return to you Father God we come near to you today oh how we need your Holy Spirit Oh, how we need your presence, Lord. Lord, if your presence won't go with us, then we won't go at all. How could we, Father? Oh, come Holy Spirit, we need you, Jesus. Fill us afresh today. Come on, you need a fresh strength, a fresh covering today, fresh power, fresh wind, and fresh fire in your life. Call upon the Lord. He is faithful to every word he says. Oh, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be open to you. Lord, we come, come. We come knocking. We come asking today, Lord. Oh, we thank you today, Jesus. Fresh strength, fresh anointing. Cover us today, Lord. We don't want to leave here today as a fearful church. We want to leave here today as a bold church, God. Lord, we don't want to leave here as a condemned church. We want to leave here as a redeemed church. Father, we thank you today, God. Oh, give us comfort in Zion today, Lord. Peace, peace, let it flood our hearts today, Lord. Let the peace of God cover us this morning, Lord. Father, we thank you today, Jesus. Oh, how we need you this morning. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Lord Jesus. Choir is going to come. We're going to sing. Keep praying. Keep calling on the Lord. thank you today Jesus if you need the Lord in your life you need the Lord to forgive you to start a relationship with him he wants to be the Lord of your life meaning that not just confessing that he's a Savior but confessing that he's Lord over the next every day of your life he's gonna be in control come to him listen we've all made mistakes mess-ups, problems, including me, all of us here today. Nobody's exempt. All that the Lord is looking for is a humble and contrite spirit. Come to Him. Come to Him like you would your Father. Just call upon Him. Oh, how His love wants to cover you, redeem you, wash you, bless you, give you purpose and a hope.